Jeez. But to be the man, you gotta beat the man. I'm not a bad guy. I'm not a good guy. I'm the guy. And you want some? Come get some. You've tuned in to Wrestling with Ruben. All right, everybody, welcome to Wrestling with Ruben. It's a second edition of this podcast. Uh, we did one for WrestleMania, and this time I'm doing one for a very special guest, one of my favorite people in all of sports entertainment, professional wrestling. Uh, he was the president of WCW uh, in the 90s. He was the Raw general manager in the early 2000s. He was involved in impacting, which I'm not sure if he wants to talk too much about impact wrestling, but please welcome Mr. Eric Bischoff to the program. Eric, welcome. Thanks, Ruben. That's great to be with you, man. Hey, Eric, uh, I do want to start off by kissing your butt just a little bit and saying you are literally one of my favorite uh, characters and personalities in professional wrestling, and I don't really know why other than the fact that I think you uh, were probably why I watched in the early 2000s when you were you know, running Raw. So it's a huge honor to have you on the program. Uh, real quickly, I do want to ask you various the, the very obvious question that everyone probably asks you is, if you would have ended up buying WCW, uh, what would have been the biggest thing that you would have done differently when you relaunched? Oh, gosh, I don't know. They, you know, there, there's no one thing. I mean, obviously, we knew by the time we, you know, put the deal together to purchase WCW, it was quite obvious that the brand had suffered um, extensively. You know, from a creative point of view, the fans' outlook on WCW was diminished quite a bit. But more than anything, we were looking for ways to really refresh the brand and, and make it feel like it was a new start, not just the single company with new ownership. So everything that we talked about doing um, from where we shot the show to how we shot the show, um, and everything in between uh, was all designed around you know, like a, a true relaunch. Awesome. Now, I, I read your book, Controversy Creates Cash, uh, like 9,000 times. Um, in the book, you talked about Vince calling you once before, before you accepted the GM position. Why did you wait to, to join WWE? Yeah, I had uh, actually... I, Call almost exactly uh, uh, to the day a year before um, that was the first contact I had, had with WWE, and I think it was Jim Ross called me um, right on the first part of July, asking me if I'd be willing to come in and, and, and do a raw. And he called me on you know, the fourth of July around my house. is kind of a big deal. It's kind of a family reunion. It's my wife's birthday. Wow. You know, so my my father passed away on the Fourth of July, so we kind of we kind of used the Fourth of July as an excuse to have a little mini family reunion in honor of my father, celebrate my wife's birthday, and of course have the Fourth of July. So it's it's a big deal, and we have a lot of people that come in. I have a home with my wife up in Wyoming, it's kind of a tourist destination you know, in that part of the country. So you know, people, friends, and family from around the country all fly in or drive in to spend that week with us. And quite honestly, I just, I, I couldn't get away. I, you know, I couldn't have everybody fly and drive in to visit us 
over the 4th of July. I said, okay, glad you're here. I'm off to go do TV. <laughs> I, it was just bad timing. And, and I passed it up. And, you know, at the time, I thought, well, that, that's the end of that. You know, not too many people turned out on an opportunity to go to work for WWE and get a second chance. So I was, I was grateful. Now, when, when they called you again, uh, did they tell you initially what their plans were for you? Or were you just kind of like, sure, I'll go and we'll just do whatever? Uh, you know, I, I know this will be hard to believe, but I don't really recall. I, I don't think we probably talked about it too much. Uh, creatively, I mean, I mean, I'm sure we touched on it just a little bit because I knew right off the bat that it was important that we keep it a secret, and I knew that I was going to be a surprise. So I'm, I'm sure we talked about it to a certain degree, but you know, I've, I've always been upset that you know when you're talents, and I was going to work for them as a talent, not as a producer or a writer or anything else. You know, as a talent, I've always had the opinion that you know your job is to show up and just do the best job you can, you know, mm -hmm. with whatever's created for you, you know, the character. Not to, you know, second-guess it and, you know, constantly demand input on story and things like that. More than likely, I didn't ask too many questions, um, just enough to help me figure out what I needed to do next. Perfect. Now, let's talk about, you know, you, you were there for, you were, I think you were the second-longest-running general manager in WWE history, and I think Teddy Long beat you uh, by default, because uh, I think most of Teddy Long's last run as GM, he kind of wasn't really there. Um, but you were probably one of the the names that when people think about authority figures, heel authority figures at work, I think you're on the top of the list. Was um, there moments that you think back now and you think, wow, that was really fun that I was able to do while being the Raw General Manager? Oh, yeah. No, I had a blast while I was there. And I talk about that, you know, freely almost every time I do an interview. Like, you know, it was, it was really nice. when, I, Like I said, when, when, Vince, when Vince and I finally spoke, and I knew, you know, I had made the decision um, that I was going to go to work for them, um, I was really excited about it because it gave me an opportunity to just go out and perform. I didn't have the burden of, you know, running a show and, and, and dealing with all of the challenges and, you know, just all the drama uh, and pressure, quite frankly, that goes along with producing, you know, two or three hours of primetime television live. It's a big job all by itself. And then on top of that, when you're on camera, as much as I was uh, during various, you know, stages of, of Nitro, you know, it's even more pressure and even more... So me to be able to just go to WWE, which, you know, look, I, I knew they had the best production probably in the history of live television, weekly live television. I knew that uh, I'd be working with a great roster of other talent. Um, it was just a way for me to kind of have fun in the wrestling business again because, you know, the last couple of years involved in it before going to WC before going to WWE, it, it wasn't a great deal of fun for me. So I, I, I really looked forward to just going and performing and being a talent and not having to worry about the rest of it all. Yeah, you know, and it seemed like that that way that you were having really a lot of fun, especially during the early days of you being the GM there. Uh, now tell me a little bit. I know you, you mentioned that uh, for you to leave, uh, that Stephanie pulled you aside and said, listen, you know, we'll always have a place for you here, but right now this is the plan. Uh did you expect that to be like the end of your run with WWE or did you expect to be 
brought back a little bit more than what you were? Because I think you made two appearances after that. Yeah, no, and by the way, uh, this, uh, I don't think that's exactly what Stephanie said. I said, I recall it being said. And, and she didn't pull me aside. She, I was at home uh, in Arizona, and she gave me a call to let me know, you know that my storyline was coming to an end. And they wouldn't be renewing my agreement, but you know, I I kind of assumed that. To be mm-hmm. quite honest, I it's as much fun as it was, and believe me, it was a blast. Some of the things I've done on camera, I did in WWE, like Chuck and Billy's wedding, for example. Uh-huh. And, you know, some of the other stuff I did there was a blast. But, you know, working with Stone Cold Steve Austin was was just a gas. Um, so. You know, I, I I had a blast working. I got along with everybody fine. You know, I, I liked it. But you know, the thing about a character like mine was is that there's a, there's only so many things you can do. You know, you can only be that evil, you know, power hungry, you know, general manager that manipulates everything around him. Uh, you know, I, it, quite honestly, it my my run with WWE lasted far longer than I ever thought it would. I thought if I lasted six months or a year, it would be great. Just, again, that role doesn't really lend itself um, to, to a long lifespan as a character, storyline-wise. So it, no, it was time to go. You know, I knew it, and, and she knew it, and we parted in very, very good terms, and you know, it was all good. Now, and you, you disappeared from wrestling after that, and you, you started working with, or were working probably with Jason Hart on television production and, and doing your, you know, your, I guess at the time would be considered a side business. I don't know, how would you consider that when you were with WWE? But now, you know, that seems to be your main focus is producing television shows and doing what you want to do. Um, tell me, what what made you realize, like, oh, I'm good at producing new, you know, coming up with new concepts and actually able to sell them? Like, what was that trend like going from, you know, producer of WCW to an actor in WWE to producing and creating your own television content? Well, you know, it's it's funny. It's a good question. And if, you know, you happen to see my DVD, I, I kind of, it's for the first time, I, I kind of laid that all out in, in, in a little bit of detail. But the truth is, um, I have been working together on coming up with ideas and selling them Going back to 1994. Oh, wow. Uh, when, yeah, when Jason and I first worked together, and we came up with a, a show concept uh, that we sold to Fox at the time. And if I had, on Saturday mornings, they had a, a cartoon block, uh, a kids' block. Um, and this show was targeted towards kids. It was kids competing against wrestlers or a bunch of crazy, you know, stunt type stuff. And Flash really liked it. They bought the show from us, and the show never got made. This often happens. A network will make a commitment to you, but then the show ends up sitting on the shelf for a little while. In our case, it's sat on the shelf for a little while, and the executive that we did the deal with ended up leaving Universal Studios, and our deal kind of went away with it. But it was our first, you know, it was my first taste of, you know, having an idea that's ricocheting around inside of my skull, putting it down on a piece of paper, getting other people excited about it, and actually selling it. It was a really fun process to me. So, all, and it was also one of the reasons it helped me get the job as executive producer at WCW, 
because when I went in to, 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 to you know, discuss that role, you know, because I was, you know, I was applying for it as were, you know, three, four, five other people. Um, one of the things I did is I brought out all the stories and talked about how for WCW to grow as a brand, it needed, in my opinion at that time, it needed to expand into other forms of content. And, and I pulled out that show that we created uh, and sold to Fox as an example of the types of things that, that I thought we should do. And I think that left a pretty strong impression, quite frankly. And, and one of the things that I loved about, you know, about you with, with WCW is that, you know, and especially in the early, you know, especially with the NWO stuff in the early days, was you weren't afraid to try something new and push it to the extreme where it seems like wrestling today, you know, they want to throw things that worked in the 90s, they want to throw it back in our face, but then they don't seem to try to push it as hard or as Eric Bischoff and WCW was willing to do, or even WWE in the 90s, what they're willing to do. Uh, so that's what I always love that about you. Um, now let's talk about the transition into uh, to TNA wrestling real quick. Uh, I know um, I know a lot of people look at the Bischoff-Hogan era of TNA as like the era that ruined TNA, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd love to sit down with somebody that had that opinion and debate that and, and try to get to the bottom of, of why. Because when, if you go back at this moment, if you go back and look at the highest rated shows in the history of that company, they all happened under our watch. If, you know, you know, people say, oh, yeah, this and Hogan, they cost the company so much money. Well, I don't know if you remember this or not, but a couple of years ago, when Vince Russo was spouting off a bunch of ridiculous things about Spike TV, um, one of the principles that Spike TV came out and that TNA wasn't paying Eric Bischoff's salary, and they weren't paying Hulk Hogan's salary. Spike TV was paying our salary. Mm -hmm. And that's coming from the Spike TV executives, by the way. That's not Eric Bischoff talking. That's That, that was the head of public relations or marketing at, at Spike that came out and said that. So for anybody to, to kind of paint the picture in the narrative that, you know, we cost, you know, teenagers so much money, it's, it's, it's a lie. Spike TV paid that. And by the way, it wasn't just us. It was others as well that they were paying the freight on. Or the other, you know, knocks that, that we would get is, oh, Bishop and Hogan, they brought all, their, all the old ex-WWE guys in. Sorry, Mick Foley was already there. Kurt Angle was already there. Sting was already there. Scott Hall and Kevin Nash had already been there. At least Kevin Nash had already been in there. Um, there were, you know, Jeff Hardy <laughs> was there and left and came back. So the idea that, you know, we drug all these, you know, high priced guys that were friends of ours in, um, that's another lie. So despite the fact that, you know, we, we had the high, the most rating success that the company had ever seen, probably the most pay-per-view success they had ever seen. We certainly put more people in arenas than they ever had in the past, at least at the big shows. Uh, so for people to imply that somehow we had an adverse impact on TNA is just, you know, mystifying to me. I just think I think people just get to the point where they they see that before 
you know, you guys came in was one of Tina's best quote unquote wrestling periods where I think it was probably one of the most enjoyable products. You guys came in and then when you guys left, the company just fell to shit, you know? Um, and TNA, I think, has been horribly mismanaged for a lot of its existence. And it's easy to scapegoat people like yourself and, and Hogan, you know, and the numerous other people who've come in in the past and tried or fix a company. Uh, and, and and even then, like I don't really I don't really know if if people know how much power you guys had backstage, if any at all. I know you were producing some content for TNA, but that doesn't always say how much say in creative that you guys had. Now that's a question. No, that- and, and and that's the thing. You know, we didn't we didn't have anything to do with the business decisions. We couldn't hire. We couldn't fire. And that, you know that was in writing. That was part of the contract. That wasn't you know that's that's not just me. You know, suggesting something. I mean, we 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 didn't get invited to even partake in a lot of those conversations. And we had opinions. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to suggest that we didn't try to have input and we didn't, you know, have decisions. But the decisions were never ours. We we had no authority to make any. Neither myself or Hulk had any authority to to make decisions. And that that's I think that's a key that people didn't don't realize. Is that you know you came? I think you produced the reaction show that was uh, short lived on 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 Spike TV. Unfortunately, I really enjoyed that show, by the way. Um, and I thought that was the right direction to go. Um, now, what would you say to those people who do say, you know, hey, you know, Hogan and Bischoff, all they care about is themselves. They don't care about TNA. Like when you when you were a part of that product, you know, were you there? You know, because I guess one of the rumors, and this is one of the rumors I want you to clarify too. One of the big rumors was always that Hulk Hogan was hired was hired by Vince McMahon to go down to TNA and destroy. Um, that's, that, that's such that is such childlike thinking, right? Um, and it's that's typically the kind of narrative that one would expect out of people that live on the internet, writing and reading about rumors about wrestling. Um, but that that is such a that is such <laughs> so much nonsense. It's, it's hard to even respond to because I want to <laughs> Well, please laugh as hard as you want because it is such a ridiculous. Like when I read that rumor, I laughed so hard thinking, one, I don't think Vince cares about TNA that much to pay anybody. Yeah, like, like, like maybe at all. Yeah, ahead. exactly. <laughs> I mean, I think I, if, and if Vince was going to spend any amount of money, you know, to try to kill TNA, I don't think he would hire a talent. I think all he would do, you know, put a show on you know, against TNA and just watch it slowly die, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's just a it's ridiculous premise. It's not worth either one of our breaths. So <laughs> let's just move on. Let's move on. Now, um, I want to know, what got you interested in, in creating Buffalo Cody Bill Beer? Because um, that, that, I mean, that seemed like such a random project when I heard you were doing that. I'm like, really interested in, in, in brewing beer. I want to know more about that. Well, it's... Uh... You know, probably for a couple of reasons. One is I, I love beer. <laughs> I like the product. I'm an avid consumer, uh, number one. Number two, I, I have my wife and I have a home in Cody, Wyoming, and have had since the late 90s, really. And we're, we're just, we love the area. I love the city. You know, Buffalo Bill Cody uh, actually developed the town of Cody, Wyoming. Um, the, the first, you know, dam there that, you know, allowed ranchers and farmers here and allowed the city to grow and become kind of robust out in the West at that time. 
so I was always just fascinated with, you know, the cowboy culture and the Western history, and I like to hunt, I like to go that stuff. And we had, you know, the, the city of Cody is a little town of only about 10,000 people normally, except for the summertime, because we're, you know, Cody, Wyoming is located almost, it's 50 miles directly east of the east entrance of Yellowstone National Park. So if you were driving, for example, from New Jersey, and you want to go to, you know, visit Yellowstone, you know, with your family, and you're going to drive, um, you have to drive through Cody, Wyoming to get there. So what happens in the summertime is this little town of about 10,000 people just kind of explodes for four or five months during the summer and fall with parks going through there. And I just thought, my wife and I were sitting on our porch one day with her, yeah, you know, all these tourists come through here. I'll go home with a cowboy hat, a couple T-shirts, <laughs> some tchotchkes of some kind or another, and you know, all got pictures of Buffalo Bill Cody and horses on it. Now, somebody ought to come up with a Buffalo Bill Cody beer and send everybody home with a hat, a six-pack, and a bumper sticker. There you go. So that's, that's literally why we did it. It was more of a hobby than anything else, and then it kind of just grew from there. Awesome. Now, uh, I just read recently that you are the new, quote-unquote, president of Freedom Pro Wrestling. Uh, tell me a little bit about joining this this promotion and being a part of that uh, that small well, independent. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm making an appearance. I think they got a little uh, enthusiastic with their their uh, <laughs> their copy and their ad, uh, and and, and they corrected that. But I'm coming in. You know, it's a one night only type of thing. I'm coming in as a as a, a general manager. I'm just going to come in and kind of do the same fun stuff that I've that I've done in the past. But I'm going to do it for. Um, Freedom for wrestling, so it's. I, I haven't joined them. It's not a full-time gig. I'm not going to be, not going to be, you know, involved in their business in any way, shape, or form, other than showing up and having a blast that night. Awesome. Well, with WWE doing their brand split again, is Eric Bischoff interested in returning to the WWE as a general manager of either Raw or SmackDown? Oh, you know, it, it would be fun for the very same reasons. You know, we talked about moments ago, you know, because I love to perform. I love getting out in the ring and I'm decent at it because I just, because I love it. It's easy to be, it's easier for me to be good at something that I really, really enjoy. And I love performing. So that part of it, I think would be a blast. Um, you know, I love working for WWE just because they're so professional and they're, they're so great at what they do. But there's always a but. But, you know, it would have to be fresh. You know what I mean? There would have to be a, an, an angle that we could take in approaching it that wouldn't feel like just, oh, well, let's go back to 2002. Yeah. Let's go back to something that we did, you know, 12, 14 years ago. Um, I, I still think I have all the skill sets that I used to have. Uh, I probably look a little more <laughs> senior <laughs> back then, but I'm in better shape. You know, that's the good news is I'm the, you know, I'm 10 years older, but I'm in better shape. Um, but, it, it, you know, if it, if it didn't have a fresh feel to it, I can, I can tell you exactly how it's going to go. I mean, it, would look, it would look something like this. Eric Bischoff comes in. It gets a pretty good reaction. It's pretty interesting for a month, a month and a half. And then unless it's a fresh approach, I think the audience would get tired of it really soon. Do you feel like it'd be kind of like what's going on with Shane McMahon? Um, 
a little bit, you know, because that's a storyline, it's a version of a storyline that we've seen before. Yeah. And I think the same thing happened, you know, when, when she came in. I mean, I watched, you know, I like Shane a lot. I, I like him as a human being, and I, and I, I respect the hell out of him as a professional. I, I love working with him. Um, so, I, you know, I was excited to see him come back, but I think from his perspective, it was kind of like, oh, once, once that illness wears off and that initial reaction kind of dies down a little bit, if you don't have some fresh meat on the bone, you know, you're not that exciting after a while. Yeah, well, and I, I want your opinion. I don't know if you've seen much of what Shane's done recently, um, but do you feel like, I feel like Shane seems like he's calling it in a lot of times, like, like he's not really excited to be there. Um, do you feel the same way or do you just think that I'm reading too much into what Shane's doing? You know, I've, I've watched, uh, probably three or four times now since, since he's been back. Um, I know what you're saying. I don't think that he's filming it in. I, I just think that, look, it's, it's like anything else. You know, he, he's just shaking off some ring rust, mm. especially the first couple of times. You know, coming in like that, you know, I don't know how much notice he had. This is something that they planned to do for a long time. Or if it's something that kind of creatively just popped up kind of quick. Um, but I, I didn't get the impression that he was less than 100% comfortable. He might have been 95% comfortable. But I don't think he was completely in his groove yet. But, you know, he hadn't done live television in, gosh, Six years. He right after I did it has yeah. been a long time since he was out there, and it takes a while, you know, to just get mm-hmm. your group back and, and feel it. Because that's really, at that level, that's what you have to rely on your ability to kind of feel the emotion and feel the story and anticipate the audience a little bit. And that just takes a little bit of time to get that back. Very cool. Now, uh, real quick, I got, a, I got one last big question for you, then I have a, a little rapid-fire round for you. Um, Billy Corgan, there's, there's news going around that he is a new minority owner of impact wrestling uh what are your thoughts on billy corgan running tna i i really don't have any i don't know him okay. um I, I think i may have met him once uh, you know i did it was very briefly in passing um i don't think he's got really any kind of swing track record good or bad that anybody can point to to suggest that you know he's either going to be successful or not um uh, that's about as much as I can say, to be honest with you. Michael, well, I appreciate you being honest about that. Um, now, uh, do you have any thoughts on on Jeff Jarrett and Global Force Wrestling? You know, I talked. Oh, I don't know. It was about a year ago, a year and a half ago, when he when he first started talking about doing this. And you know, look, it's an it's it's a battle. You know, um, creating a wrestling company in the traditional sense of the term or, or, or what that represented traditionally. Um, and, and, you know, getting your show on the air, you know, is a lot more difficult now in some respects, in many respects, than it was 10 or 15 years ago. Um, the market has changed dramatically. And, I, I, you know, I wished him well. You know, we talked, you know, kind of very casually, you know, at 33,000 feet, you know, we were just kind of real high altitude kind of macro discussion. We didn't get into any detail, but I, I wished him well. But it just wasn't something that I wanted to attach my name to because because I knew how difficult it was going to be. And so far, I think that was a good 
good choice. I mean, from what it looks like, GFW is a vehicle for Jeff and Ken, you know, to stay active in the independent market. Mm. Um, and you know what? If that's, that's the, that, if that was your goal, they would achieve it. If launching, really launching a wrestling company that had weekly pro- programming that supported it and pay-per-views and all the other ancillary things, um, if that was your goal, then, you know, I still wish him luck. I'm you know, not very optimistic, but hell, I've been wrong before. So Yeah. Well, I'm going to read a couple names off to you real quickly, and I want you to give me one word that pops in your head that describes them. Uh, or uh, uh, if they've been pushed enough, or they should been, be pushed harder. Um, and I'm gonna start with AJ. Right, I'm gonna I'm I'm tell you right off the bat, I suck at this. <laughs> um, so it may not be one word; it may be a small handful. But I'll do my best. Hey, you know, if you wanna if you wanna go in detail, it's fine with me. Uh, I just don't want to take too much more more of your time up here. No, don't, no, don't We're good. All right, so I'm starting with uh, with AJ Styles, especially in WWE. Dynamic. Uh, exciting young talent. Uh, do you think WWE's booking them correctly so far? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't like answering questions like that because unless you're behind the scenes, unless you know the full story, unless you know all of the variables or aware of all the variables surrounding a storyline, because there are a lot of variables. You know, who do you, who, who is some, who are you going to program someone like AJ Styles with it. You know, you can insert any name here. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at a storyline, you've got to look at all the players involved, the supporting cast members, as well as, you know, the, you know, the antagonist or protagonist. You look at the cast, you know, the, the supporting cast. You've got to look at how long you want that story uh, to go. You have to look at the styles, you know, sometimes, no pun intended, but sometimes guys just have better chemistry with one person than they will with the other simply because of their style of wrestling. So, Without knowing all the variables, I, I would never, I don't like to criticize and suggest something's a good idea or a bad idea. Now, that being said, I will say that, you know, changing someone's character uh, right off the bat, which, you know, they're not quite guilty of that, but kind of. Um, I'm a little, uh, my experience has been that very rarely works. Mm. Now, WWE is, you know, they're a different animal, and maybe they're going to find a way to work. But that's probably the one thing that I would question as to whether or not that makes sense to, you know, if it makes sense to turn them to or not. Yeah, that was always that was a question I had, too. Is, did it make sense? We'll see in the long term there. Uh, Dolph Ziggler. I like him. I follow him on Twitter just because I love his sense of humor. He's just got that kind of sharp, Reminds me of Kurt Henning's humor. Now I've never met, never met him in person, so I don't know what he's like in person. But you know, just kind of getting a feel from him, you know, watching him on TV occasionally, and then, you know, reading his sense of humor as I follow him on Twitter. He just, you know, he just—I I get a chuckle out of him about once or twice a day. Awesome. Yeah, he... and, he's got, and he's got a great look. You know, a great look. He's got great wrestling skills. A solid background. Um, just a really, really solid performer. From from what I said as a fan, but like I said, I, I think I kind of dig the sense of humor. I'd like to have a beer with him someday. Hey, we'll make it happen. Hashtag uh, Ziggler Bischoff uh, beer beer off or something. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have our version of the Obama beer summit. There you go, beer summit. That's-
stuff. <laughs> Can we film this and put it on YouTube if we do this? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think Mr. McNair would get a big kick out of that. <laughs> uh, Wade Barrett. Yeah, I haven't really watched enough of him to to, to have a strong opinion. To be honest with you. Okay. Uh, Cody Rhodes. Cody, phenomenal young man. I am so proud of him. I haven't laid eyes on him since he was about ten years old or twelve years old. So it's been a long, long time. But I was very proud of him and, and loved watching him progress in WWE. I still a very young man. But I was became very proud of him. I shouldn't say of him because that suggests that it's you know might have something to do with me. I'm proud of him for making the decision that he made. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I admire the young man. I really do. All right, I got two more names for you here. Um, Damian Sandow. Like him. Haven't watched enough of him to have a strong opinion. I'm kind of like Wade Barrett. Uh, but he's, you know, Albert, you know the, the real I really like a lot. Sandow, I, I like, you know, he's, he's got a good look and I, I get a good feel from him. But like I said, I haven't watched enough of him to, to really have a strong opinion. Okay, last name on the bill here, uh, Finn Balor. Crazy, right? I like it. It's a different. Yeah, yes. I think he would. I think he's somebody who, in my opinion, if WWE pushes him right, can be the next John Cena. Can be the next face of the company, um, and and do that company justice. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know that. You know, again, it's you know, I would never. Suggest there's a right way or a wrong way to push somebody because what what I always at least or what I found often enough to make it matter is that you can set out with once you can start out with a set of plans that you believe in that on paper looks like a perfect plan for somebody and it just doesn't resonate with the audience the same way it, it does on paper or you know in the case of the you know WWE you can have a whole group of people that all put something. But just because one person believes it or a whole room full of belief, people believe it in the creative side of things doesn't mean it's going to work. So, you know, I I like him because he's just so much different than the rest of the characters in WWE. You know, my one, this is more what I would consider constructive criticism, is that WWE, they're so successful. And one of the reasons they're successful, one of many, is because of the just the discipline, creatively speaking, that Vince McMahon has always had. He's always believed in his vision, and everything that we see or hear or read or smell coming out of WWE passes through a filter, and that filter's got a lot to do with Vince McMahon. And he's built a billion-dollar company with that formula, so it's hard to be critical of it. But at the same time, I think it's fair to say that there is a similarity. There's a sameness. There's a uh, there's a vibe that just kind of feels the same in almost everything that I see in WWE. And it's not to suggest it's a bad thing. I can give you a billion reasons why it's a great thing. But from a fan's point of view. I like more diversity, and, and I don't necessarily mean all the, you know, 
racial, you know, cultural, you know, diversity is important too. Um, and I like that. I've always had. It's one of the reasons I've, I brought, you know, the, the luchadors into the BCW at the level that I did and why I did. So I love the diversity of a Finn Balor because it's just different than everything else. And it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like the same formula. I, I completely agree. Uh, Eric Bischoff has a new DVD WWE. It's called uh, Sports Entertaining's Most Controversial Figure. Which Did you have any decision in the name? Because I don't really like the name of that DVD so much. Um, I, you know, I didn't. I didn't. And I, it's, you know, one of the things that was hard. Well, it wasn't hard for me to get back. One of the things that I did think about is, you know, historically, WWE decides you're going to tell a story. They tell it from their point of view and their perspective, mm-hmm. which is not unusual. Um, in my case, uh, I felt like much of what I had seen over the last few years, if it had anything to do with me, it was usually skewed so heavily from the WWE perspective. It was also partly because of the history. Mm-hmm. So I was a little... I don't even say concerned, but I was aware that because I wasn't going to have any input, and I didn't have any creative input, you know, I didn't have any creative control. There was no, there's nothing in writing that gave me, you know, the right to approve or not approve of anything. And I knew that going in, and I was a little aware of it, like I said. But I had done the uh, that interview with JBL on uh, Legends with JBL on the WWE Network, which was fantastic. Yeah, and it went so well for me. You know, I, I going into that, I had no idea what I was going to expect. You know, JDL called me and he said, hey, do you want to go over the questions in advance? And I, I didn't want to do that because I felt it would be a better product and more meaning for the audience if it felt real and organic and, and John was able to get my natural responses as opposed to me knowing what the question was and already having kind of truth form my answers in advance. I just never believe in doing interviews like that. But I sat down with John and had such a wonderful time, and John did such a great job. And I wouldn't even say he lost. I think he was probably a little bit more gracious with me than he probably should have been. But it was a very balanced approach compared to what I expected. And after I went through that, I, I just really wasn't too worried about anything when it came to the creative of my DVD. So it's for that reason that I didn't ask any questions. I didn't want to know. You know, they're going to do what they think is best. And they've had a lot of experience doing pretty well with that. So I just closed my eyes and hung on and hoped for the best. And I was very proud of what they came up with. Well, again, it's 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 available. I believe it's available now. So for those of you listening, go and purchase it. I saw the preview of it on, uh, on the WWE network and I, I need to go buy it because it looked amazing. Um, is there anything else that you want to? I know you you have the appearance uh, on July second for the Freedom Pro Wrestling show, um, so people can go and and uh, buy tickets. I'll figure out the details and they'll be in the description down below. Um, is there anything else that you want people to know about? Uh, any appearances, TV shows, anything? Yeah, I'm going to be in Toronto for Destiny Wrestling on July seventeenth. I'm going to be in Buffalo. Uh, gosh, I'm a day here. Um, I'm going to be in Buffalo, New York. I'm going to be in Montreal um, the weekend of July 7th. Uh, there's a Comic-Con up in Montreal. I'm going to be there. So, you know, I'm, I'm bouncing around a little bit and making some appearances. 
taking advantage of the, you know, the enthusiasm that's out there because of the DVD. You know, WWE does a great job of whatever it is they're doing. So um, I get to be the beneficiary of that. Awesome. <laughs> right now. So, yeah. Awesome, Eric. Well, thank you so much for your time. We're here at the 40-minute mark. Uh, I was hoping to get at least 10 or 15 minutes, and you gave me 40 minutes. So I appreciate your time. And anything you need as far as promotion, let me know. I'm more than uh, happy to help you out with any of that stuff uh, for any TV shows or projects you get going on. Uh, And I would love to have a beer with you if you're ever in L.A. You got a deal, man. Well, I get out there quite a bit, so uh, who knows? (laughs) Awesome. Awesome, Eric. Right. I appreciate your time. And hey, if you, uh, where can I order some Buffalo Cody uh, beer? Well, you can't, unfortunately. It's illegal to ship beer. Oh, so, come on. <laughs> and, no, and believe, and believe me, I've tried it, but there's ETS and it's, it's liquid, but they got to look at it um, before you pack it. It's a pretty strict to buy. And beer, partly because it's carbonated, and mm. that's an issue, um, and partly because the laws are just so screwy that you, know, you can ship wine, but you can't ship beer. Don't ask me why. <laughs> so if you if you really want a cold Buffalo Bill Cody beer, unfortunately you're going to have to go to Yellowstone Park for it. <laughs> well, I, I will let you know if I ever do that. <laughs> All right, man. Well, Eric, thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Be well. Bye-bye. The Undisputed King in Sports Entertainment. Eric Bischoff. Bischoff. Eric Bischoff. Eric Bischoff. Eric Bischoff. Bischoff. He's like Wiley Coyote. His name is Eric Bischoff. We're going head-to-head with Monday Night Raw. I only had one chance. I get to spend a billionaire's money. He did an amazing job of making WCW seem like a worldwide company. It is so good to be king. The guy did the impossible. He knocked the WWE on the Damn. I love this guy. I am here to put the E in WWE. He really embraced Eric Bischoff character and didn't have the pressure. Controversy creates cash. It's been an interesting ride. No doubt about it. Well, I would like to thank my guest, Mr. Eric Bischoff, for joining me today on Wrestling with Ruben, episode number two. Very excited. Uh, it was an awesome, awesome time to talk with Mr. Bischoff, and uh, I think it's an awesome time to be a subscriber to this podcast. Make sure you uh, subscribe to this channel. Uh, I know that this isn't you know iTunes or anything yet, uh, but we'll be on iTunes shortly. I promise you that. I would like to just say thank you to everyone for tuning into this episode and the last one. Uh, and I got some great things planned for the future. We're going to be doing a draft, a, a fantasy draft coming up here in a couple of weeks. Uh, and I promise you it's going to be a great time. I'm going to try to find the right guest for that. And we'll see who we can get. Uh, one of the big things I just wanted to say thank you, uh, not say thank you, but just wanted to address real quickly, is if you follow me on Twitter or Instagram at J, you might have your chance to win some Starbucks gift cards or other gift cards that I'd start to give away. Uh, Facebook.com slash J, J, and uh, go to YouTube, YouTube.com slash Radio for a bunch of other different content. Uh, and if you want my non-wrestling show, that comes out on Friday with guest Dr. Darcy Sterling. She is a, a relationship therapist, and uh, she and I had a great time talking earlier this week as well. And that comes out on Friday. I look forward to talking to, to all of you guys again very shortly. Once again, this is Wrestling with Ruben, and I'll see you guys next time.